Welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. We are the connoisseurs of the strange, navigating the treacherous waters of the unknown to dive deep into the Mariana Trench of weird information to bring you guys the most bizarre encounters imaginable. I'm Shane. I'm Oren. And I'm Jenny. And I have turned into Batman. <laughs> Me Where is I? Where is I? <laughs> so, without further ado, we're going to go into this one. We're going to go into it raw. We're going to go into it hard. And we're going to go into it fast. Bruh. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to hop right into the intro so we can hop into this awesome deep in- interview. So, without further ado, Oren, please take it away. All right. So all you awesome listeners out there, if there's any subject you want us to talk about or any guest you want us to try to have on the show, please reach out to us. Uh, and also, if you're a researcher, an artist, a uh, writer, anything of that nature, and you want to contribute to the show in any way, reach out to us on social media or through our email, which is bizarreencounters at outlook.com. And be careful about... Checking your uh, spam file. It seems like some of our emails go to that, but we do respond to every email we get. So uh, just be patient with us. We'll get back to you guys. We love you guys that, that much. And if you guys love us in return, don't forget to go and follow us on social media. Uh, get some updates on the show. Know what's going on. Know what other weird little things we may be dropping because, of course, Bite Size Bizarreties doesn't necessarily fall on our normal release date. Uh, you guys can also pop into the Telegram or the Discord. Have some awesome conversations with some awesome people, us included, you know, because the Bizarre Crew, of course, you got to see the Bizarre Crew in the Bizarre Crew Telegram. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to support the show, there's multiple ways to do so. Number one would be to go and get yourself some awesome, awesome Bizarre Encounters and Bite Size Bizarreties merch. And if you guys do that, please, please, please send us in pictures of you guys wearing it because we would love to give you guys some shout-outs and uh, show your guys support. And uh, if you guys can also go and support the show through Patreon, where there you will get early access to shows, uh, you'll get live feeds of shows, uh, you'll get the live replay of shows. So if you're not able to make it to the live, you get the video format, and you guys can uh, stare at our awesome mugs for two hours or so. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you guys want to support in a different way, you guys can also go over to Red Circle and donate on our RSS host. Uh, there, 
All that stuff will go towards upgrades to the show. Number one that I keep mentioning on every show, of course, is to get Orin and Jenny a little bit more crisp of a microphone so that we can sound like uh, professional podcasters around here, of course, you know. But uh, if you guys want to support some more awesome smaller creators, I guess that's a good way to word it because I always, for whatever reason, want to go to local, but it's not local unless you're uh, in Pennsylvania, of course. But uh, Joe over at Crypto Theology, always killing it with some awesome designs. And now he's even starting to put on events. He's just expanding. He's killing it on all aspects of what he's doing. So go and show him some love and support because, you know, that's what it's all about, man. Love and support at the end of the day. All the links we've mentioned are listed in the link tree in the show description. Tonight's guest is Ron Weed. He is the host of the Imaginarium of Thought podcast, and it's devoted to the stimulation and cultivation of the imagination. He has a long history of high strangeness experiences, and some of his areas of research include the UFO phenomenon, numerology, and the nature of our reality. So, Ron, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're happy to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I've actually uh, listened to the show a bunch of times, uh, especially uh, in the beginning, uh, you know, and I just, uh, these these are kind of like some of my favorite shows out there where you're interviewing people and getting their experiences and stuff like that. Um, and you know, that's, that's really how you hear the best stories, just out there talking to random people who have them, you know? I appreciate that you actually listen to the show, man. That's always uh, something different because I never know what other like podcasters actually listen to the show. So <laughs> it's always sweet, man. Yeah, hell yeah, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely agree with uh, what you said as far as encounters go and shit. And the way we kind of differ a little bit is that we don't try to just collect the stories. We try to break down the stories and try to figure out each specific component to it. So I figure that's kind of like hopefully our little twist and how we differ a little bit. We like to throw in the theories and stuff. So, you know, this should be a really fun one because I know your, your story is extremely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, extraterrestrial maybe. <laughs> so, uh, as far as theories go, Orn and I got you covered on that one. Yeah. That, and that's awesome too. Cause, uh, you know, it's, you got to break it down, put different theories out there and stuff like that. That's honestly like telling my story has an unraveled more about it that I never knew, you know, I'm learning more about it telling the story than I did just hearing it, you know, ramble on to my friends at parties and stuff like that. You know? So I'm kind of curious uh, what more you may have figured out because uh, for the listeners that don't know, I had you on increase of our reality, like really early on, it was probably like in the twenties or something like that, but that was almost like a year mm -hmm. ago. So yeah, definitely curious how the story may have progressed since then. Yeah, um, as far as the uh, that whole number thing, uh, so you know there was a new like little optical illusion thing that came out of that one symbol. Um, but I did find out, you know, getting into kind of like my first story that um, I'm the second child between my parents, but uh, supposedly my mom had a miscarriage uh, before me. And uh, that kind of, uh, you know, switches up how I kind of viewed my first experience, like maybe in a weird way. Uh, but, but to break it down, um, my first ever like visual experience, like the moment you realize you're like kind of like awake, you know, like my first memory, essentially. Like, do you guys remember your first memory as a kid? I think my very first that I can remember was being in my crib and trying to climb out of it 
and sneak into my parents' room, and then I heard one of them wake up, and I took off back into the crib. That or taking a shit in a tire when I was camping. One of the two. <laughs> How about you guys, Orin and Jenny? See, I don't think I remember anything, like, that far back. I'm kind of weird. Like, before, like, four or five, I don't really, like, remember anything, I don't think. Um, I remember watching TV when I was probably two or three because I had a little, a little brother come along by the time I was three and a half, and he wasn't there then. So, <laughs> Oh, that's true. Yeah, um, most people, you know, don't really remember things till they're around like four or five yeah. and stuff. And, but I've actually had people tell me they remember like uh, Shane being in a crib. Like one of uh, my friends remembered... Uh, um, the smell of her grandmother's cigarettes, you know, and stuff like that. Oh, uh, but um, sorry, something popped up on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, so uh, my experience is I was looking up, like basically it was the the crust of the earth, and uh, I'm looking up uh, from underneath like looking through like this broken crust and there's like a lady up there and she's like holding my hand. Um, the lady's like, you know, a different like blend of colors. I can't really remember what she looks like. You know what I mean? Even though you like, that's my memory. So, um, she lets go of my hand or, or something happens. We let go of each other's hands and, uh, I start to fall, but Oh, but this, to visualize what I was seeing when I was up there, um, around me was kind of like at the top of a snow globe. You know, like those uh, domes that they have in the cathedrals where there's like a hole at the top and then there's a light shining through. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of to, you know, break it down. That's kind of how it was. But it was like around me, instead of stars, they were like different colored orbs and stuff like that. And they're almost like in attendance of whatever was happening. Did they seem like they were like so, conscious? Um, yeah, but nothing, no, no like words or anything. But yeah, it seemed like they were like watching. Like they weren't just orbs of light. They're like, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say like entities or something like that, you know. Uh, but um, as I'm, I'm falling, right? And uh, I'm trying to hold on to my memories. Because I did have some memories, but I remembered I looked down at my hands, and as I was doing that, the memories started getting stripped from my brain. You know how, like, when you're on like a hallucinogen, and you you have this deep thought, and you go to tell somebody, you don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea is just wiped from your mind. And uh, so, um, as that's happening, I start to fall faster and faster. And it starts to do like the whole Star Trek light speed thing where all the it's like f streams of light going by you, like phase, like you know, going into like warp how speed. that looks or whatever. Going into warp speed. Yeah. And then so I'm going into that. It gets super, super bright. And then it's just darkness. And like you, you see in the movies, like, OK, so it's like the camera is like getting closer and closer to the silhouette of the eyes. And then you become the eyes of the person, like the POV shot. That's how I can explain it. But that's how it was like, like my visual, like I'm seeing the eyes, like the, the window of the eyes coming closer. And then I'm almost like merging in with the eyes. But, uh, 
so what it was is I, I guess I merged in with my physical body and I'm around four years old and um, I'm laying down on the couch looking up and I sit and I, I sit up and I look over my brother and my cousin because we were taking turns jumping over the couch cousin and they're like duh <laughs> of course and, uh you know i just got off the couch and ran up i'm excited like yeah yeah they they jump and then but i remember too when i walked up to my brother he um kind of like checked my head he kind of like looked and i think he said like you almost gave me a heart attack or something like that so i'm not shitting my head kind of having my uh body uh return yeah i don't know if i knocked myself out or um uh i was essentially an like emerging like because that's my like conscious awakening that's like the first sentient memory essentially so like i thought maybe it was some sort of like maybe i i knocked myself out and or killed myself in a way i broke my neck and some other soul came down hopped into my body or something like that right but um finding out that um my mom had a miscarriage before me makes me think oh was that like my miscarried brother's spirit combining mine or something i don't know <laughs> like so that's the that's just uh, so ron uh, um I think that's a really fascinating story. Um, I know you said you were four years old when this happened. So was this like a conscious memory that you always had, or did you have like some sort of um, awakening or like recovered this memory at some point? Um, Cause it just seems to me like something like that in the stories I've heard is something that people generally like discover later on. So I was just curious if like you always had this memory with you. Oh yeah, it's like it's basically like the me like coming into my eyes and looking up. I'm like, oh shit, I'm alive. <laughs> it's like, whoa, like life, you know, <laughs> like. And uh, but it, what made it weird is that like maybe in a way I was living, going through life in autopilot mode, where I still had awareness who my brother and cousin was without ever having that memory of, of them being my brother or cousin. It was almost like instantly I knew like, oh, you're my brother, you're my cousin. And it just, I stay almost like, wow, this is fun, you know, and just joining the, the world. <laughs> I almost wonder if that's kind of the same for everybody because we're talking about how usually people don't remember memories until they're around like three or so. Um, it almost makes you kind of wonder if the beginning stages of life are more so like a, like a vessel just kind of like floating through until it's able to take in a soul or if it's something that like a soul almost lays like dormant until after it's fully developed to a point where I feel like there's a lot of stories about people just one day kind of realizing that they're conscious, you know? Mm hmm. Uh, maybe like, uh, like if we do come from like a heavenly place, when we enter here, we have to have enough of the shit stick to us <laughs> to bring us down into this, uh, dense, you know, uh, conscious density 
for us to be like, oh, wow, we're, we're in it now. You know, like our soul to be like, oh, shit, we're here. Like, operate. Maybe it's a like, matter that makes, of like, that's a good point, you know, brain like, development too, that your brain has to develop to a certain point before it's able to comprehend like the consciousness even being part of it. Maybe that's kind of like how it works. Yeah, just you're just soaking in because like same thing with autopilot, you could drive a car and then just forget about the whole trip. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're here because you're just in your head the whole time. So uh, continue. When you're still functioning, following traffic laws, and <laughs> all that stuff. You know. So uh, continuing on a bit with your story, because I know it progressively gets a little bit more intense as time goes on. Uh, what's like the next thing that happened in the chain of events? Uh, so yeah, um, I was about 12 years old and, uh, I woke up one night, just some random night. Uh, actually, I guess random. It, it was, uh, do you remember it was a few days before I hit puberty, you know, and you know how that is with the whole, like they're into prepubescent shit, you know, the weirdos. But, uh, so, uh, um, I was, uh, I woke up one night and everything was like this bright green light like the aurora borealis like that type of like green color and uh it was shining from uh through the window so it wasn't like just this i was in like this light reality you know what i mean there was like a source of this light but it was so bright that it was like my whole room was like lit up you know like um high luminescence i guess but uh so um I'm, when I first wake up, I'm half awake and I'm looking over and I'm like, ah, whatever, doesn't matter that much to me. I'd rather just go back to sleep, <laughs> you know, because I'm just, I'm not thinking weird crap, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't, re- you know, I didn't really believe in stuff like that, like too much. So I was like, whatever, and just went back to sleep. And uh, so I, uh, when I closed my eyes that first time, the light started pulsing but it didn't go dark and bright it just got brighter and brighter and brighter and, and then almost like a like a alarm clock you know it's just psh, psh, like wake up so i just i couldn't go to sleep now and i'm just like frustrated i'm like what the hell is going on you know people are trying to sleep i'm upset and uh to paint the story um i'm in a bunk bed with my older brother uh he's in the bottom bunk i'm the top bunk and my younger brother's across the room by the window and uh when I get out of bed and I'm saying, Hey guys, use this light. But when I look at them, they're like strangely still like in a coma or something, something like that. Or, you know, I didn't think they were dead, but they weren't moving. There was no like, and, but even seeing that I still wasn't thinking like aliens or anything like that. I'm just like, what's, what's going on. So now I'm like, I go to the window to peek out the blinds, kind of like, you know, like a regular blinds and, but as soon as I uh, go to go to touch the blinds and pull them down to look through, I get a tell like as soon as I touch it, like I get a telepathic like jump scare, like those old jump scare movie, uh, uh, jump scare uh, videos that you'd watch where it's like a car driving down a road and then it's a fucking zombie jumps real quick on the, on the screen, and that's what it was. It uh, flashed into my brain, and it was a gray alien. And uh, I knew that it was through my window because I could see my porch railings behind it. So I knew it was like on the other end of the window. I didn't pull down the blind and look through and see a gray alien. It was like, it, you know, I, that's how I can explain it. It was like a jump scare in my mind. And uh, I locked up like a goat 
and just fell back on my butt, like froze in fear and just fell back. <laughs> That's like when that happened. And, um, you know, when I'm on the ground now, I'm like freaking out because I'm start now I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. So I'm in a situation like this isn't a normal thing. This isn't some light. This isn't construction work or something like that. Like I'm in some shit. And, uh, you know, there's the whole fight or flight or freeze. And, and I froze because when I, and I, I got back up and I remembered, I was just like hugging myself, you know, like that feeling of being a little cold. And I'm just like shaking in fear. I'm kind of crashing down. I'm freaking out. I'm like, fuck. Cause I'm thinking in my head, uh, it's a two story house. I'm thinking to run upstairs and get my dad, uh, who's going to be a part of the story later on. And, uh, but I was like, fuck, if I run through, run out of this room, they're going to get me. So my choice is just to stand still and just freak out about it, not do it, not do it and just be terrified. Um, but then a voice starts like talking to me. And at first I'm thinking, oh, I'm talking to myself. There's this, you know, this voice in my head, but then I'm like, okay, I'm being talked to in like a telepathic type way. And it's saying, calm down, chill out. You're kind of chosen. This is cool. You know, this is a good moment. Uh, you've been chosen. Uh, things are going to be good. Like, basically, it was like saying, you know, come with us. We got you. We're going to guide you through life. We're going to, you know, make sure you become powerful and rich and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's weird, right? Like, you're hearing this stuff and you're and you're telling yourself this stuff. Um, uh and and it was also uh, the other part too that uh, it was calling. I didn't. It spoke to me as if it knew me, and it was calling me some some word that's like a name that starts with the letter M. That's I I can't exactly tell you what it said because it's just one of those kind of like you know I'm terrified at the time, so I can't. I'm not really like soaking up information. I'm just kind of like fuck, what's going on? But that's just what I remember. They were calling me something with an M and, uh, and, uh, so even though I'm freaking out and all this shit's weird, I'm kind of like, fuck, I'm chosen. <laughs> like, <laughs> hell yeah. Now it's like, like, and I'm, I'm reaching for it now cause I'm terrified. Now they're putting something positive in front of me. I'm just going to reach for it. Right. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go fucking, what do we need to do? And I, and I'm, I start to go to walk out the room cause I'm like, let's get this party started. And uh, as I'm getting closer to, towards the door, it starts saying, hey, hey, slow down, slow down. You, you got to make a choice first. And I, I stop and I look to my right and the room like stretches out, you know, like gets like long. And it like definitively put my younger brother on the right side and my older brother on the left side of me. And without saying it, you know, that, that's it. That's what happened. But I knew in that moment, what they were talking about, they got to make a choice, you know, this brother or that brother. And, uh, like a Farsian bargain, you know, deal with the devil type thing. And, uh, and my older brother, he was diabetic, like, uh, the, uh, serious diabetic where he has to take insulin all the time and all that kind of stuff. And in the brief moment, I thought, well, he could die in a week or two weeks, you know, or some, some could happen. He gets bit by a jellyfish or something like that. And, um, and, uh, that I, I wasn't thinking that, you know, but it just thought crossed my mind. They jumped, they jumped on it. 
and they started, you know, pushing, pushing that. And they showed me a vision cause they were taking me visions like driving a speedboat, doing all sorts of other shit. And then one was, uh, I was going into a party and it kind of seemed like a New York type place. Cause I remember we were, there's like trench coats and shit like that, you know? And, um, I'm like handing out presents. It's cool. People are cheering me on and all this kind of stuff. And one of the guys kind of says, Oh man, if only your brother or something like that was here. And that like, yeah, I'm in that vision or something. I'm like, what the fuck? And I kind of snap out of it. And I'm like, no, I'm done. Now I'm back in my room. I'm like, fuck this. No, I'm, um, I'm not going through with this. And then they're like, why, why what's, what's going on? Uh, why aren't you going to, you know, go through with this? And I said, cause it's not what God would want. You know, it's not good and it's not what God would want. And, um, they started laughing at me and I say they, but it's really just like the voices, like, you know, like how they, in the movies, like where it's like a one voice, but it's like, sounds like different things, multiple voices speaking at once kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it's, it starts laughing at me and it's like, ha 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 ha. Who's God? What's God? Where's God? Why isn't God here right now? Yeah. Uh, trying to fight for your soul or anything you know what i mean like that kind of thing like basically saying stuff like that like what is god what how can you even what you know they're like laughing at the idea of god and in that moment it's kind of like that leap of faith feeling you know i'm standing in my room but it feels like the world just disappears now and i'm just like there i'm like i, I leap down or I, you know and the hell it was a weird like it's hard to explain it but um so uh I decided to just say, fuck it. Right. I'm done with this thing. And in my heart, I made that decision. Like it's over. And when I did that, the entity started like, you know, uh, you, you idiot. You, cause at first they're being charming to me. Nice. And then at that point they were like, Oh, you fucking kid. You ain't, you ain't going to be shit and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm, and I'm just basically checking out of this whole experience at this point. I'm like, you know what? I'm just done with the whole thing. And I'm, I remember pacing back and forth through my room. And I'm like pulling up my hair. And when I remember when I got close to my closet, another vision popped into my head. It was uh, like a spiral, like what you would think a galaxy looks like, a spiral galaxy. And it was spinning one direction. I can't tell which one, but it was a reddish orange color, like red orange. And then it kind of slows down and starts to spin the other way. And it turns into a blue purple, dark blue purple color. And then it smiled at me and it didn't form a smile on its, you know, it was just a spinning galaxy. It didn't have a face. It didn't have lips. It didn't have a, any facial expressions, but for whatever reason, I felt the emotion of a smile come off of this galaxy thing. And it, I was like, Whoa. And I, I felt like, okay, maybe I'm, safe in a way i made the you know something happen and it's happy with the decision i made and uh um so now i'm like checking out i'm like i'm starting to convince myself i'm like okay this is just a dream i need to just wake up and this shit's gonna be over and i'll go back to normal so i climb back into my bed and i and i get under the blankets i curl up into a ball and i'm like i just need to wake up you know i just wake up wake up wake up and um I'm closing my eyes. I'm like, I'm not going to open my eyes for anything. And then I start to get that like sixth sense feeling. You know what I mean? That like something, something else is in the room now. 
and I just, just real quick, I look over my shoulder, you know, look back, and then uh, as soon as I open my eyes again, look back towards the feet of the bunk bed is the door. Is There's two doors in the room, but it was a door closest to my bunk bed. And uh, I saw a reptilian humanoid phase through the door. Like it, like, it was almost like it was on wheels, you know, like on it, the way it moved, it moved in such like a robotic, you know, like it was on like, it was like a, those cardboard cutouts and it was just, you're pushing it on wheels, you know what I mean? It's just like mm -hmm. moves into the room like that. And then in like a military thing, it does like the quarter turn and it's at the foot of my bunk bed staring at me and, uh, to, um, it, it doesn't look like uh, the what the Dracos look like, right? It looked more of like uh, a salamander, like an amphibious reptilian type creature. And um, I have a picture, um, you know, I can share of what it looked like. And um, it, and how they say a lot of these things too were emotionless. It had a smile on its face. It was smirking at me. And um, also, I didn't see it with my physical eyes. <laughs> it was. It was holographic. Like, that's looking back, you know, good explanation. It's holographic. Like, I didn't see it with my physical eyes. My physical eyes, I could see right through it. I'm like, there's nothing standing in my room. But there's a holographic image of my mind is telling me, yeah, there is something standing in your room. <laughs> and, it, and I could see it in perfect detail. It, you know, the skin, uh, the teeth, its teeth were uh, small shark-like teeth but they were compacted like ours but like pointy and small and um it was basically like saying hey come on kid what, what are you doing you know come come with us and blah 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 um you know go through with this and stuff and and at, at this point like people are like you didn't freak out you didn't run i was already like checked out <laughs> like when you reach your like peak of crazy you can't really go past that <laughs> like i was already like this is too much for me to even comp like comprehend and uh so i was like if it eats me it eats me i don't i don't give a shit at this point anymore and i'm just like you know in my heart i'd already made a decision i'm not i don't want anything to do with what's what whatever you're trying to get me to go with i'm not with it and um so i just closed my eyes again and I'm like, I'm not going to open my eyes again for nothing. Like this time, I'm like, they are not coming back open. But as I was like, had my eyes op uh, closed the second time, I started to uh, get another vision. But it was a vision of human beings looking at a monitor. Um, they were, uh, it was like one guy's like looking at a monitor, like some sort of like NASA control room or something like that. And then there's another guy looking over his shoulder. Like that's that's what I saw in my vision. And then um, it turn. It's like a scene change. It, go, it goes from me going, "Oh no, what the fuck's going on?" <laughs> to like I open my eyes and it's morning time. I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like I'm awake. I'm alive. You know. I'm like, and my, so my first thought is to run in because I hear my family's in the kitchen. I hop out of bed and I sprint into the kitchen hey guys guys last night I was visited by aliens and there's a deal with the devil blah 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 and they're like ah it was just a dream <laughs> and I'm like fuck and, and you know everyone I told that, that was that same response it was just a dream and it uh 
was very troubling. I know this wasn't a dream. I've had lucid dreams and stuff like that before. I'm like, that, that was something different. And then a few days later, my dad, uh, we went to go pick up some pizza. And uh, he's like, hey, come with me. And I was like, all right, we'll go in there. And we're in the parking lot at the pizza place. Uh, he's like, tell me your story. Like, what, what happened? So I told my story. And uh, he's like, good, good. He's like, I believe in that shit. Or, you know, I believe in aliens and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And, and um, then he told me he had an experience. And uh, his experience was a few years, would have been a few years before mine. He uh, woke up one night, he heard a noise, and he gets up out of bed. And he, go, and he goes to the door to, like, check what's going on. And he says he looks in the corner of the room, and there's a gray alien. He says what you would think they look like is what it looked like. And it was just standing there in the room. And then he woke up, kind of like how I, I did, where you're just kind of like, you, you're like, whoa, what? Oh, that was, a, and he, he thought, oh, that was a weird dream. And he got, got up, went to the kitchen. And my, when he got into the kitchen, my younger brother, who was like a you know, young toddler at the time, he's like, hey, dad, I was with you last night. And he's like, where? And he said, my little brother, and this is a different house. It was a one-story house, but he points up to the ceiling, up towards the air, and he says, there. <laughs> and uh, my dad, he's, he, of course, his whole world gets rocked, and he's like, what did you just say? But he, in his mind, he's like, I can't say anything about this because my, you know, he's like, your mom would have left me. <laughs> she would have took you away from me. I'd look like this crazy dude. And uh, so he's like, I just locked that up in the back of his mind. So what makes the story interesting is they always talk about stuff like deal with the devil crap and weird stuff happening to people who are, have family members or parents in naval intel in military intelligence. My dad was naval intelligence. And um, on top of that, he was some sort of like, I guess he had a reputation in the special forces community because I've had Green Beret colonels come up to me and say, oh, man, you should have seen your dad back in the Vietnam days. Um, I've interacted with Delta Force dudes because my dad has a story, um, you know, that that they talk about uh, uh, where he was uh, pulled up to a, a guard post and in the van they were going to get Noriega at the Papal Nunciao and, and the, the infantry guy was like, nah, I got to check the back. And so my dad was afraid of friendly fire and he sat there at the door, uh, had his gun, you know, had his flag exposed. And, and, uh, when the guy opened up the door, everybody in the van was pointing their guns at him <laughs> and it wasn't, and it wasn't planned. It was like, it was just like a spur of the moment thing, but they had my, dad tell me that story in front of him uh that guy ended up being a delta force dude too but yeah i uh i got to see um black hawk down in theaters two weeks before it was released to the public with the people who were involved in that situation um and also at his funeral uh instead of the protocol of one flag per deceased veteran they presented two flags um, they presented, they did the regular thing where they fold up the flag, you know, and then they kneel, you know, kneeled to my mom on behalf of the president, blah, 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 Navy. And they gave her the flag. And then he turns around and there's a flag on a podium. He goes and grabs that flag. And because before the funeral, 
the funeral lady was like, hey, they're going to present another flag. Who's it going to go to? And we're like, that's weird. But I guess my younger sister, because she was into Coast Guard, she's the only other one that went into the military. And um, so this guy goes and gets the flag. And then he walks up to my sister, does the same thing, kneels, says the thing, and, you know, salutes her. And when he salutes her, I look over at his chest and I see that he's a Navy SEAL. I saw the eagle and the trident, and it blew me back because my dad told me he wasn't a Navy SEAL. He told me he he quit <laughs> when he went through the buds or whatever. And um, so it was just very like strange to me. And I looked up all the information, like, is do they ever do two flags at funerals? And supposedly it's protocol that it's only one flag. So I'm just like, I got no answers there. I've actually... DM'd and emailed like you know Navy SEAL dudes that I've seen that are kind of like out there and asked them what was that about no no response um, you know because they're big about that the you know so uh, yeah I guess you know and but see what makes that weird is because my dad he was just kind of like old school ah, I'm just doing my job no I'm nobody's you know it wasn't no I wasn't like anything like that but he would say uh, um, you'll see at my funeral. He'd say stuff like that. Ah, you kids, you'll see at my funeral. <laughs> you know? And um, so on his deathbed, because uh, I was kind of his caretaker, he got uh, lung cancer and stuff like that. But uh, uh, I was walking by him, and uh, he grabs my arm. As I'm walking walking by him, he just reaches out and grabs my arm. And I look over, I'm like, oh, shit. And, and he looks up at me, and he just, plain as day, he goes, they took me to the moon. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, they they came and got me, took me, and they took him from his deathbed. This isn't like a past experience. He said they came and got him from his deathbed. For whatever reason, he was able to walk and do shit again. <laughs> and uh, they took him to a room. They said he had to watch a bunch. He said he had to watch a bunch of videos and shit like that. And then he watched these videos, and then they took him and just and some craft and took him up to the moon. And he said when he got up there, uh, I guess there was a window and he looked out and that's what he saw was just like on the back of the moon was like a base, like a city lights and shit. And then he said, you know, he, they went inside of it and, uh, they gave him a tour. That's basically what they did is he's cause I'm getting information, but he's like stage four terminal. He's on like morphine and crap like that. So he's just kind of like, giving me the gif of things because i'm like what did you see and he's like i don't know but it was cool <laughs> <laughs> and um that's what they did. he said they just took him around and showed him stuff and uh like uh gave him a tour of the base and and uh the one experience though the, the last thing he told me about it is he said he was walking down one of the corridors and uh, a guy was, because he didn't know what the iPads were. He forgot about that, like the tablets. He's like trying to get me to explain what tablets are. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, those things. And he said the guy was looking, working on a tablet. And my dad walk, was walking by and he looks at the guy and they make eye contact. And he said, as they're making eye contact, two uh, tall white grays, like tall gray looking aliens, walk past, like walk in between their, them looking at each other. And he said the guy never took his eyes from my, off of my dad and then went back down and started looking at his computer again. Like He was basically saying, like, this dude completely ignored these aliens walking by him. 
like he it was so normal to him that he didn't he, he was more like concerned about what my dad was doing instead of these two giant aliens walking by him and that's when he said he kind of realized he's like uh he told me he's like don't be afraid he's like if aliens start showing up and they you know if they start interacting with you he's like don't have fear and that's that was what that was his last words about that he's just like saying like don't be afraid of them don't have fear of them and i'm guessing because uh maybe um they can't interact with you if you're interacting with them from a place of fear you know um but so yeah that was that was him and then he also had another story where uh they were watching some uh military base he didn't say where and he he's not very detailed too much about things but he said uh there's another one of his guys teammates was uh like 200 yards or 200 meters behind him uh as another overlook overwatch or whatever he was watching his sec and um they're watching his base and he said he saw a craft uh rise up from the base and then just shoot off into the into the stars you know and uh the dude came his teammates on the radio like on the little headset like oh dude did you see that did you see that that was it you know and my dad's like i didn't see nothing i didn't see anything i don't know what she's i don't know what you're talking about like stop talking to me about that that's weird and then uh afterwards uh when they took off all their shit my dad goes up to him and he's like man you didn't see nothing if you if they people come talk to you you didn't see anything you know and he's like say remember that don't say anything and sure enough, he said people in suits came up and questioned the whole team and was like, what did y'all see out there? <laughs> did you see anything uh, in particular? And they're like, no, sir, we didn't see anything. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's what makes um, my experience unique with that is that I shared that experience with my dad, who is naval intelligence. And then he was also a uh, reputable person, you know, because in that community, your reputation is everything. You know, so um, for someone like him to come out and talk about aliens and he's seen he's had these things happen to him kind of like makes me like realize what what the hell really happened to me? Was I a part of some sort of like uh, Project Blue Beam prod? You know, was I a test subject? You know, the whole Eisenhower thing that was his involvement in the military intelligence. Was I like you know, a part of some secret thing. I don't know, but I don't know. <laughs> so, but, um, so that's, uh, the paranormal thing, but something weird happened to me in high school as well. And, uh, um, before we get into that so one, though, this, uh, I want to make some comments yeah. on your, uh, your first encounters. I have uh, mm-hmm. a list here that I was, I was kind of going through <laughs> that I'm going to have to break down as we, uh, as we run through this. Cause I'm sure Oren probably and Jenny probably both have some stuff to comment on each of these things as I kind of go through them too. So uh, the first thing I wanted to mention was with the colors in the room. Uh, something that I frequently kind of wondered about is if there's different light spectrums that are able to do certain things. So if there is this green light spectrum, I wonder if it had something to do with some type of advanced technology where maybe if you project that, you can choose who doesn't get projected by it and then everybody else almost goes into like a stasis type period. Or maybe it has something to do with if you beam this specific color into a certain area maybe it makes it so that like time theoretically like slows down or in a way if you look at it maybe time speeds up for who they choose where it seems like everything else is slowed down but really you're moving way faster than them 
And mm. yeah, I, it also kind of ties into, is it extraterrestrial or is it some other type of uh, government technology? And then also before I let them kind of comment on this one, because I got other stuff I want to break down too. Uh, I was also kind of wondering if it was some type of like uh, human uh, thought experiment or some kind of like social experiment too, where maybe it was extraterrestrial, maybe it was something government related, but both ways, maybe they were trying to conduct some type of thought experiment to type to see like what you would do, how you'd interact, uh, what your emotions would be at certain times if they were trying to make you pick and choose certain things. Cause it never seemed like that you really got like a final decision. They never really like came at you personally, but it seemed like they were kind of like bouncing and throwing different ideas at you almost to see how you'd interact with it. Yeah. I, I actually had that, that thought too. Like maybe that was some sort of like testing. Like they didn't, they weren't, nothing was really going to happen. And it was more of just a, uh, um, you know, uh, what, what would that be called? Like, a uh, an experiment. Yeah. Social ex- experiment, ex- experiment, social experiment. They just wanted to get readings. Hmm, okay. So we chose this. Uh, so, <laughs> cause I'm guessing, uh, the majority of people, um, and I've talked to other people there, man, most people would be quick to sacrifice their family, <laughs> especially for fame and fortune too. That's as messed up as it sounds. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's what it is, is because I'm I'm very I'm very much like loyal to my people. Um, they, if, if it's just some random Joe Schmo, some family member you don't like, it doesn't mean anything. It's got to be somebody you love, you know. Do, how, do you love? Do you love this money and fame, uh, this physical thing, more than this non-physical emotional thing called love <laughs> you know what what do you hold more value which which is the you know i mean even going into that with the so, whole like deal with the devil concept uh we've talked about it frequently on the show about how different entities beings can project themselves as different things or you perceive them as different things so this experience and say somebody else's experience where they're like selling their soul to the devil by sacrificing somebody they love to something that they would perceive as demonic it could be the same beings or entities doing it but it's just a matter of like how you're perceiving them or how they're choosing to project themselves yeah in a way you can understand them yeah that makes sense and uh, before I keep rolling with all of my questions, I'm sure uh, Orn and Jenny probably have some stuff they want to pop in with. <laughs> no, so kind of piggybacking off of your point there, Shane, um, I was thinking the same thing as Ron was telling his story that, you know, if we assume that this experience was quote unquote extraterrestrial, not some kind of clandestine government experiment, I think it's interesting that. Ron, you specifically brought up the points of, you know, making a deal with the devil, selling your soul type stuff. Uh, because when I look at anything paranormal or especially extraterrestrial type stuff, I always like to ask myself, you know, what could this stuff really mean in real world terms? And that's something that I've always kind of wondered about with these stories about selling your soul to the devil and things like that. What could that actually mean? And I think, you know, you really hit the nail on the head. Like, they're giving you this choice between something you love and, you know, fame, fortune, worldly possessions, what have you. And you know, I think that's really interesting because an idea I've always kicked around is this idea that demons aren't really demons, angels aren't really angels per se. 
if you look at the, the not the details, but the idea, I mean, I think a lot of these accounts sound like extraterrestrials. So could all these stories really be people having encounters with extraterrestrials going back thousands of years? Or even just that like demonic look yeah, being and, portrayed and as, or that reptilian look being portrayed as possibly like a demonic look. Exactly, and that gets back to you know depictions of the devil and Adam and Eve in the garden and all sorts of ancient myths and legends um, and things of that nature. And also piggybacking off of that point about the reptilian, listening to your story, Ron, like I thought it was really interesting how you said the initial beings that or communicating with you were, you know, this very stereotypical idea of the greys. And then once you uh, did not go along with what they were suggesting, then um, I think you used the word a, a hologram. It was a, almost a hologram of this reptilian being that you saw, but you knew it wasn't real. So I'm wondering if since you didn't, you know, quote unquote, give the rept or the uh, the greys what they wanted if they projected this reptilian being at that point just to try to scare you. Yeah, extra uh, pressure, extra pressure. And I also thought about that, too. Um, maybe they didn't initially start off with the hologram because I could have just died from a heart attack. I would have been so scared, you know, like I think they kind of. Uh, just ah, let's not show them anything. It's just let's start off small, you know. Start off light because you don't you don't just want to come in with the reptilians. Because I think I, I would have just been like, ah, just died out of fear. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, so I have another. I think they got me at the right point. Yeah, I got another kind of concept that ties in with the reptilian thing. So the grays that you saw were they almost a little bit translucent too? Before I like fully describe this idea. Um, from the vision, yeah. Uh, no, they were physical. From the even though it was uh, just in my head, they were very fleshy. Because even even the reptilian was fleshy though, and that it was fleshy, but I could just tell it was it was some sort of holograph thing. Where with the grays, I was saying maybe their skin is thin, because I do remember them having like a veiny, like a you could see like underneath their skin, like their skin wasn't very thick. Because I have uh, been breaking down this concept lately, mainly pertaining to UFOs, but it could definitely pertain to extraterrestrials all the same, that you take... I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe this. So everything, of course, is made up of atoms and particles. And if you theoretically found a way to displace those particles into, say, three forms, so those three forms wouldn't be completely solid, they'd be partly translucent because you're taking the particles and you're spreading them between three different areas. So it's like a different way of projecting yourself um, where you can almost do like decoys theoretically or you could uh, bounce your particles into a different different vibrational uh, pattern, however you want to word it, and basically make it so that you are you, your particles will be able to move through other particles. It's kind of the idea behind it. Or if you vibrated, even if you're all as one solid mass still before you even split, if your particles are vibrating in a different frequency that isn't normally something that is seen in our reality, you'd be able to theoretically like mm -hmm. pass through the particles of our reality. So 
how this links in with what you were saying is I wonder if that technology could be theoretically possible for beings also where maybe this thing was only partly in your room and it was partly where it originally was because it has some type of technology where it's able to like displace its particles where half of its particles are in two different locations. So it wasn't fully materialized there. It was still partly in another place and there so that it could pull itself back to that original location. And assumably that would go both ways and be partly going into the teleportation concept too, that if you had some of your particles in one location and another location, uh, the particles want to correct themselves and put themselves back together so you could either potentially pick to pull yourself towards the one direction or potentially pull yourself towards the other direction. And the only part that kind of gets confusing with it theoretically is the consciousness aspect of it. Uh, would your consciousness, if you're able to do something like this, be able to split too, where it's almost like your half consciousness in two different locations? And if that's also the <laughs> reasoning behind it, that would also explain why it's almost like emotionless or just a little bit off interaction with these things is because it's not fully like mentally materialized in that location either. Wow, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that, that also makes sense, like with uh, our, us in our physical body and then the astral world. Like when we interact in the astral world, we do have a a body and things like that, but certain things don't work there the same way they, they do here. Because we're in like, our consciousness is focused on here and our physical body is focused on breathing and you know, <laughs> maybe it's not and, even a technology. Uh, it's just something that we're actually yeah. still able to do. Even as humans, maybe we are able to do it. We just don't realize that we're doing it, but we're maybe theoretically splitting our consciousness or particles and putting it in another location. Maybe it's something that has to do with like mental capacity and a species adapting and evolving through time. Yeah, like you're not even your physical version's not able to handle it, so your astral version has to go and Pretty take much. the blow, you know, to do it. Yeah. Oh, I was just going. Um, this this was kind of back a little bit, but I I just wanted to kind of um, say that what you said about the thing starting small and getting bigger that's that's definitely something I feel is true. Like they don't start out to scare you to death like you said it starts small and and the more you're able to accept the more you get to see so that's that i would i would think that's why you've seen a lot of shit sorry stuff um and also <laughs> you said something about um military children of military and also families this is this is a thing with families that that if the father, the mother sees something, the children, the grandparents, this is like, yeah, family lineage. Like paranormal things tend to go in family lines. It yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, generational uh, trauma and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, because I'm half uh, Filipino and, and according to my Filipino family, they don't believe in mental disorders they just slap it out of you so <laughs> i guess mm -hmm. it probably you know like the what's happened it probably has to do with my dad's you know line and um you know that kind of leads into the my my third experience with um so my dad's uh i guess his grandfather was a freemason hmm. um uh, and in high school one time, uh, it was a math class, a classmate comes up to me and, you know, he's, we're talking and stuff like that. And he's like, man, I, I could tell you got the light. 
or something like that. I'm like, oh, okay, like, whatever, dude. And um, he shows me, uh, he's like, hey, let me let me show you this number thing. And um, so what he did is he took a zero through nine, like he drew it on a piece of paper, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And he's like, this, this is the mathematical representation of, of, of the universe. This is what we use, these, these digits right here. And uh, so he says, the kingdom of God is within. So just like a, a peeling back the layers of the onion, you know, you have to break out from the outside and come within. So he said uh, he added nine plus zero, uh, he basically adding from outside to inside. So nine plus zero is nine. Eight plus one is nine. Seven plus two, nine, uh, uh, five plus four, nine. <laughs> and then, uh, so he says, okay, so this represents the most high, the five nines, right? Because even if you do go up five nines, you go up to what would that be? Uh, a hundred thousand or whatever. It would evolve into the next rotation or whatever. I, my math sucks, but, <laughs> but, um, you would still only peak up to a certain point and then it evolves and then rises up to that same peak you know so you, there, there there is a peak even if you overcome that peak there'll be another peak that reaches up to that point and that's what like nine represents um so he says so that represents god and he says now we have to uh we can't go above god we can only break down from him so he says so he subtracted outside inside so nine minus zero is nine uh Eight minus uh, one is seven, uh, uh, you know, and then it goes down. It's the odd numbers, right? Nine, seven, five, three, one. So he says that's the odd numbers. Uh, the odd numbers represent in numerology masculinity. Um, so um, so now we have God, and then we have Adam. Um, so he says now we need the female, right? Um, so if you subtract, because uh, the female, according to the Bible, came from at one of Adam's ribs. So you have, uh, you, if you subtract five nines minus nine, seven, five, three, one, you get zero, two, four, six, eight. That's where I fucked up. I was skipping ahead too far. <laughs> you get zero, two, four, six, eight, which is the even numbers, right? Eve, Eve, even numbers. And even numbers represent... Uh, femininity and numerology uh the the uh feminine energy and then um if you subtract all of that if you subtract the five nines minus nine seven five three one minus zero two four six eight you just get five zeros right so now we have god at the top we have which is the five nines we have adam nine seven five three one or masculine masculine energy and then we have feminine energy or Eve zero two four six eight, and then we have the five zeros. The five zeros represent the void, the omega. So God in Revelation, you know, in the Bible says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end." And that's essentially um, a mathematical representation of that uh, ancient story. Right, because basically all the a lot of most of the religions and everything like that, it's just yadhe vadhe, right? The mother, the father, the 
the son, the daughter, you know, this twirling of energies, um, the alpha energy, you know, like even with electricity, right? So this uh, number block, right? He asked when, uh, when he broke it down like that and he asked me, what do you think of that? I said, well, if numbers represent the physical universe, then it shows that there's order to the universe. There's a perfect balance. And because what modern scientists will want you to believe is that everything is random. Everything is chaotic. There's no, there's no order to things. You know, there's no divine uh, layer to anything, right? Uh, Big Bang, just random shit happened, random gas, all this kind of crap. But mathematics explains the universe. So if you break down math to its core, um, it essentially shows that there is orders of the universe. And now um, the Romans, the Egyptians, and the um, Hebrews, they didn't, or no, yeah, some, some of the older religions, the Egyptians, they didn't have a, a, a symbol for zero. Because the concept of zero is, is kind of an occult thing, right? You would think nothing, uh, nothing represents something, and that's a that's a weird understanding, right? Only people who've had like, you know, these these experiences with psychedelics or, or spiritual experiences can can verify, yeah, that you uh, you went into nothing and you experienced something, you know. So nothing. It's almost like a God. If God has his dance partner, right, the Alpha and the Omega, it's this eternal dance with everything that is and everything that isn't. And that's what creates the energies in the middle, which is us and the universe and stuff like that, you know, like uh, in the, what was it, the Greeks or whatever, they had the story of uh, Ra, yeah, the Egyptians of Ra fighting that, that once... Uh, darkness serpent right and he has to fight it every single day or else the universe will just cease to exist you know so it's kind of like that same story essentially and um so this uh number thing it sat on the shelf in the back of my mind whenever someone would at a party or something like that would bring up numerology i'd be like oh yeah i know this number thing and oh but uh, oh i forgot to say the guy who told it to me he was a uh, demolay he told me he was Demolay, which is like the junior Freemasons. And he told me, hey, you should think about being a Freemason. And that was before I ever, I even knew what they were. I'm like, what's a Freemason? <laughs> like, like, I don't know what this is. And he's like, oh, it's a brotherhood. And um, so obviously I wasn't down with it. I was like, oh, because a classmate sat down. And uh, I was like, hey, let me show you this number thing he just taught me. And I showed it to her. And she's like, I don't care about numbers, man. <laughs> and, uh, she was like, that's stupid. I don't care about numbers. And uh the he leans into me he's like hey man don't share that with anybody that's like you're that's like elect few right that's like secret knowledge it's not for everybody that's for the the elect few and i was like well if it has to do with god i'm gonna share it with everybody i know the next day i was transferred to another classroom i just showed up they said ron we you're not in this classroom anymore <laughs> you're in that classroom <laughs> and that was that was that you know <laughs> i guess i wasn't down with the story i, I think what that probably was uh because he said he was a he uh he was comes from a rich and powerful family he did say that too because he he was saying that's how he kind of became a demolay it's kind of like he said i couldn't be a demolay because i'm too uh you kind of have to be connected but um 
I'm too, and I was too young at the time, but he said, yeah, you, you know, when you get 18, go try out for a lodge. And, um, so this sat in the back of my mind forever. Just would bring it up every once in a while. And, uh, going through that experience with my dad, um, when he was used to decipher what, what else does this number stuff mean? Like, is it just, is it just this basic thing? Well, it turns out it breaks out in all sorts of numerological concepts. Um, uh, three, six, nine, like the Tesla three, six, nine, I can break it out like that. I can break it out into, uh, yeah. (laughs) And, um, uh, it even created a, uh, magic square of the sun. I don't know if y'all have heard of that before. Yeah. I don't think I have. Um, so it's this, uh, magic squares are like, it's, it's, uh, 36 squares and it, uh, you align the numbers within this magic square, this grid in a way where it uh, comes up to the same sum. And so in a 30, in a six times six magic square, the sum is six, six, six. It'll each, each way you go, it'll add up to six, six, six. And um, so I've, I tinkered with it and I created up this symbol. I'm like, Oh damn, it creates a six times six grid. It creates this magic square. And I did three slashes going one way and three slashes going the other way. And it created this square and this X. And, uh, you know, in the Freemasons, there's that whole thing about 33. And I was posting this on Twitter back like a few years ago. And uh, out of it was just like out of coincidental chance, there's a, I see the Hackpen Hill crop circle. And the Hackpen Hill crop circle is, uh, uh, is like a cube um, with uh, magic squares of the sun to create each side. And I realized, holy shit, my, uh, the symbol that I discovered from this number thing uh, is, is a part of this crop circle. So it was almost like telling me, like, I don't know, I almost saw it as like, you're on the right path, you know, you're getting, you're figuring shit out type thing. Um, and to, it was already hard enough for me to do the number thing. <laughs> It kind of break down into into how much more it goes into. That's for if the audience, you know, the listeners, if you want to dive into it more, if you have understanding of, you know, math, like, you know, 72 and 90 degree angles and things like that, like you're into that stuff, the Pythagorean theorem, you'll be really surprised if you, you know, drive, you know, dive into it yourself i don't know exactly what it means <laughs> i've figured out a bunch of shit from it but even even now i'm like i still don't get it you know and and um it creates optical illusions as well this symbol so it's just kind of like that's up for how much more you want to unravel it because uh, uh no that's not it the uh hackpin hill uh it should be the hackpin hill uh cube uh yep that's it so the, the that number thing, right? You can actually create one side of that cube with that number thing that I was shown. So it's and uh, I looked up the magic square of the sun. Uh, being found with that kind of stuff back in the day would get you killed, obviously. <laughs> like that you're uh, you're some her- heretic. You got this weird number graph stuff. Nah, he, he, he's burning at the stake. So. 
and and I think too, honestly, it's kind of one of those things. Like even me, for the for you know fifteen or twenty years, I didn't even. I was like, it's just some number thing that I was taught. It didn't mean nothing to me. Actually, taking the time to draw it out and you know graph it and stuff like that. That's where the things started. You know, I don't want to. A lot of times when I do this, I don't want re- really to tell people how I did it and how I how to create these different symbols or how to create this and that because discovering it is the the fun the fun part you know the experience so so yeah (laughs) uh, dude that was awesome like uh we're kind of really into the numerology thing and uh you know don't claim to know a whole lot about it just getting our feet yeah but that three six nine that pops up over and over and and over again and anything weird we watch we're constantly counting and it and I was going to bring up the whole Tesla thing as well about, you know, at the end of his life, he was obsessed with three sixes and nines and, um, you know, 33 degrees of Freemasonry, three times three, that equals nine. It all goes back to these three sixes and nines. And, you know, Ron, I definitely agree with you as far as there being some sort of mathematical framework for the universe. I mean, that even goes back to like, Fibonacci sequences and things of that nature. Uh, But I guess uh, my main question for you, and um, I I know what I'm about to talk about is kind of divisive in the paranormal community, but I was wondering if you've seen the documentary series Hellier, Uh, because there's a big component in that with like occult ciphers and number sequences and things like that. And that's kind of how we, you know, started diving into this whole numerology thing. And, um, you know, the same kind of stuff that you're talking about as far as, like, if you have these long strings of numbers and you add them up, you know, they'll always end up being a three or a nine. So, um, you know, I was just wondering, one, if you had seen that particular program, and two, if you had kind of what your thoughts about the legitimacy of that are. Oh, no, I haven't seen that, but that sounds pretty interesting. Um, Definitely should probably check it out. Um, but even what we were, uh, the whole alpha and the omega thing, like that's the, um, process of the three, six, nine is because, um, you, the universe doubles itself. So you double the numbers, uh, every number except for three, six, and nine will show up in that. Um, so it's basically showing how three, six, and nine is the one third of the universe that's non-physical, yet it is important to the bonding of the other two thirds, which are physical. It's, it's, you know, it's like what keeps things possible, you know, with, even with the Fibonacci sequence, right? How we got, uh, Fibonacci would say that the number 108 represents the, the wholeness of the universe. And, uh, 108 is also a sacred number in the Hindu religion that Hackpin Hill crop circle that we looked at, it's, that's th- three sides, uh, three magic squares of the sun. Magic square of the sun is 36 points. So three times, I mean, 36 times three. When we look at that cube, we're only seeing the physical aspects of the universe. And uh, there's a whole other side. So if you add both sides, 108 times two is 216 in the uh, Kabbalah and all these other kind of stuff, the 
but they say God's name is 216 letters long. Sephagorath, you know? So it's kind of like, we. it's almost like we can't, when we're seeking for these like high level answers, a lot of the times you can't really know it. And maybe, maybe reality, we have to go to the other side to see, to see the whole picture, you know, and a, the astral world has to come into our side to see the whole picture in, in that way, you know, yeah. like you can't yeah, see I it from one side. You have to go to the other side. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, you know, but in my research, I've come across like these Native American legends where they claim that the universe or the world, whatever, basically has like three levels. There's the upper world, the the middle world, and the lower world. And so, you know, an idea I've kind of been kicking around is we as humans, through religion or what have you, are kind of brainwashed almost to think of things in dualities, you know, right and wrong, good and evil. I wonder if the real quote unquote secret to the universe lies not in twos, but in threes. And, you know, there is, there's good, evil, and something mm. else. There's right, wrong, something else. Like, whatever this third element is, that's kind of, you know, the skeleton key that potentially unlocks all this other stuff. And I wonder if, you know, through religion and governments and whatnot throughout the centuries, that aspect has been hidden from us. And like you were saying, Ron, you know, the numbers don't lie. I mean, the numbers unlock all of this. So I wonder if that's kind of the missing piece to explain a lot of mysteries that we as society, human beings, what have you, struggle with. Yeah, you got uh, Jack Parsons, you know, the exactly. godfather of rocket rocketry, and he was all into the occult. So maybe this UFO future technology is just a blending of pseudoscience and real science you know <laughs> like I, what people call pseudoscience but like esoteric knowledge of the the occult and the astral fields and stuff like that and you're taking that and mixing it with nuts and bolts and creating ufos <laughs> so we were actually just um doing some research about jack parsons not so long ago and uh some podcasts we were listening to you know they made the point um it's funny that to contact these supposedly, you know, flesh and blood extraterrestrials from other planets, universes, whatever, you know, we're not doing it by sending out radio signals into space. Like, that doesn't seem to work. Like, the only thing that seems to work to get in contact with these, whatever these beings are, are very esoteric, occult black magic and, things. yeah very just weird thing like it, technology doesn't seem to be the solution to putting yourself into touch with whatever these things are and and maybe it's because these things aren't truly flesh and blood extraterrestrials like we've been taught to believe maybe there's something way stranger at the end of the day Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of the Dorothy Izzat story. I don't know. <laughs> the the Vancouver Lights. Uh, it's uh, this old the old grandma lady who had uh, from Vancouver. She got all this like uh, real extraterrestrial footage, and no it, nobody can consider it fake at, for her time when she shot it. But 
all the beings were like light beings. <laughs> She's, you know, it's like they. I, I like and like you're saying too. Maybe they don't need to take a shape because they. they What's the point if they don't need to, you know, I guess that kind of ties into one thing that I frequently bring, seem to bring up on the show is that consciousness may not be exactly what we perceive that it is in the matter of we think of things as like carbon based beings, but that doesn't mean that everything is based that way. There could be beings that are completely light based. There could be beings that are completely gas based. There could be something that's completely liquid based, but it's a concept that's hard to understand because of the way that we're constructed. But realistically, there could be conscious life all around us that we just don't have the means of perceiving it that way because we're not thinking of it that way. And Shane, I think I've brought this point up. Um, just the deep sea creatures, you know? <laughs> I think all that cut out because all we heard was deep sea creatures. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say you can look in and uh, down into the deep sea uh, creatures of the ocean, you know, and see that uh, life doesn't necessarily operate the way we think on land. You know, we think everything needs the sunlight to have life. Well, down there, they just they don't need that shit. They don't need sunlight. They they create life through the volcanic ashes and stuff like that. You know, so uh, uh, all the sun, sun worshiping cults. You know, you're worshiping something you think gives life to everything when really it's it doesn't <laughs> it's a it's <laughs> maybe i don't know <laughs> oh i agree with you 100 percent. yes and you know shane i think we've talked about this on a previous episode but you know just the idea that there's all these things going on around us potentially that it could be as simple as we just can't see them, you, you know. Like spectrum, yeah, we, type situations. Yeah, we can see very small percentages of the light spectrum, and you know, in the same way, dogs can hear sounds that we can't. We know that's a real world thing. We've got proof of that. Maybe it's as simple as that: as these beings, entities, whatever you want to call them, are always around us to some degree. We just can't see them, and when we do. We see them in fleeting, weird ways, and that could describe, you know, shadow people or these, uh, you know, like pixelated predator-type beings or anything like that, even ghosts. So I think a lot of the paranormal could possibly be able to be explained by just light spectrums. I mean, that even kind of bounces into my theory about uh, particles moving in a different way or different form that yeah, exactly. it would make it so yes. that there are physical things around us. We can't perceive them and their particles are moving in a totally different motion than what our reality is. So they're able to just pass through each other. It doesn't mean that either of them aren't solid. It just means that the particles are able to pass through that thin space in between without actually like interacting with each other. Or maybe sometimes they do bump and that's when people have like the random, like, you know, getting shoved by a ghost or something like that. Yeah. I just ran <laughs> into something, but there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, theoretically, these things, yes, are from some other dimension or planet, it's entirely possible that the physics they operate under are, like, so foreign to us that what's normal, them just walking around, to them, we can't even perceive. I mean, even, like, their, their geometric setup for their universe could be a totally different setup than ours where we're looking at it like you were breaking it down with the numbers uh, between zero and nine but that doesn't mean that those numbers don't 
they're not a totally different set of numbers or different comprehension numbers that exist in a different reality that bounce and interact differently with each other because the numbers and numerical values may have totally different meaning and it may be a totally different set of mathematics for each individual universe and the construct of each individual universe. And then breaking that down too, yeah, I, that could even get into mm -hmm. the simulation theory stuff with uh, programming and numbers. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like I, I believe that too. Like, uh, even though numbers are something we hear and, and it, in every reality, there's mathematics except for the void space. It doesn't necessarily mean that like, even with language, right. We like, we read from left to right, but over there in Japan, they read from right to left. And we think that's completely crazy. And you know, it's like, but to them, it's like, man, this is just how we do it. We just do it this way. So it's that's that's a good point. Like maybe in the astral world, their math is just backwards to ours. You know? I was going to say, even going into like the void dimension, it could be almost like a negative numbers type of concept where we're looking at everything in our dimension like it's, you know, zero through nine. But in the void dimension, it could be zero through negative nine. And the way the numbers break down is, again, kind of like how you're describing with uh, it being the opposite or like a mirrored image of like how our numbers in our reality works. And then even extending past that, it could be almost like this bridge gap where ours operates from, like, I, like I've been saying, uh, nine to zero. And then it goes zero to negative nine. Mm -hmm. And then after that, maybe that is where an, another number chain starts. And then there's the positive and then it goes back into the negative again, but that could be a totally different set of mathematics, and that's where that extension happens, and that's why our reality almost seems like it's connected with this other reality underneath us is because we're working off the same geometric patterns. It's just the negative of each other, or like the mirrored image the, of each or other. Or the positive version. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and that goes in with the whole uh, toroidal field concept too, you know? The three six nine, you know, the six the six is the center. I mean, not the six would be the zero on that scale, but that's kind of like that same concept, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, everything's dancing around that midpoint in their own way. That's that's wild, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we like getting deep. The theories over here. <laughs> yeah, inverse, like because when you think about all those uh, sacred geometry, like the inverse version of sacred geometry, that's wild, like. Instead of our sacred geometry, it blooms out. There's, there's like goes in like what? It's like wow, like, like it's just like in. You're looking instead of looking at the sacred geometry shapes from the outside, you're looking at them from the inside out. That's wild, you know. Or even just another totally different way of thinking about it too. For each dimension, you know, there could be a zero through nine, zero through nine, zero through nine. But each dimension could also mm. contain its own negative dimension, and that's where that kind of like tide thing is where I kind of describe dimensions as being almost like linear and vertical where maybe that's where the difference kind of comes in is that you have your, your, your linear, which is the ones that operate on your negative chain. And then the verticals come in with the different number sets. And then each one has their own negative universe that attaches to each universe as you go down the chain line of universes. Mm. We're just in a big, big Rubik's cube. <laughs> yeah. The universe is a Rubik's cube. <laughs> That's one way I've kind of described it is imagine just like a bunch of cubes being attached to each other and you have cubes that go, you know, up, down, sideways, like each individual way. So each reality is its own individual cube. And again, maybe that one right directly underneath it is the negative, and then it goes back into a positive, then a negative, and it just keeps cubing out from there. And all of these universes are able to interact with ones that are touching its cube, 
and the ones on the next cube over are able to interact with the ones that are touching its cube, but it doesn't mean that the one that's on either side of that one in the middle is able to interact with that other one that's on the other side because there isn't an equal point where they're touching and able to interact with each other. You'd have to almost get into another reality mm. in order to make contact with that other reality. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Traveling into another reality to make contact with their... I bet, dude, I bet it's probably, it probably is like that, like you know, traveling through through worlds to get to other worlds, you know, like... And then, I mean, you break that down, too, and you go into the, the idea of that the macro uh, mirrors the micro, and that's almost kind of like how you could imagine how atoms stack on top of each other, because they're going up, down, in each direction, and they interact with the ones that are closest, where they'll be swapping electrons uh, back and forth with each other, but it's not able to interact with the one that's on the other side of that one, because they don't have an equal point where they're touching each other. That's crazy. So it's almost like jumping through different like wormholes in a way to get to the one you're. Maybe that's why it's like a wormhole when they talk about this thing because you kind of have to go to this. You know, <laughs> you can't just direct jump. You have to like you're saying like loop through to get to that side. That so, makes sense. Like with the uh, yeah, it's almost like being in a box a and having one of those old cartoon like black holes that you got to throw it on the side of the box to walk through that box. But then when you get to the other side of that box, you need that hole again to slap it on that side so that you can get back through that side. And that's how the whole concept of portals work is that it's not necessarily how we perceive it, that it's like when you bend a piece of paper in half and two points are able to touch, it's more so creating a hole in a wall between two different realities. And that could also explain like some of these cryptid sightings and stuff. These things just get stuck in our reality when they were you know whatever happened they were trying to jump from one place point a to point c and we're the point b that these things get stranded in sometimes that, that makes sense too because i've heard i've heard some stuff like that before of like you know entities kind of being like oh yeah we're not we're not even from here we're just passing through <laughs> like, they're on their way to the dimension on the other side and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> We're traveling over to this other dimension. <laughs> but uh, with that, I guess it's probably a good time to start kind of wrapping it down a little bit here. And uh, we definitely would love to have you back on, of course, in the future. Uh, maybe we can break down some more different concepts or maybe we can talk on uh, something we did, we're talking about a long time ago where we do some type of video uh, podcast and make it so that you can break down the number stuff where people can visually see it. But... Yeah, and I was going to say, too, um, you know, I can connect it to Mozart, uh, Da Vinci, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. You know, I don't want to spoil too much, you know, for anyone who wants to. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a deeper rabbit hole than it seems on the surface. <laughs> and just off of that, I feel like we should give it its own episode to begin with so that we can start from the base point and kind of build up from there. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, for anybody that's enjoyed the show, uh, why don't you let them know where they can come find you and they can come find your show at? Um, uh, Berserk Space Cowboy on Instagram. And uh, my podcast is The Imaginarium of Thought. And I do it with a, a childhood friend of mine. And he's actually the first person out of my family to hear the reptilian story. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, he's not really like super deep into... Uh, you know, the stuff, you know, this stuff, but he's like, he likes UFO stuff. And so he's kind of dipping his toes and, uh, 
I could see that having him host the show with me, slowly, slowly but surely, he's starting to like see all this shit. It's starting to really make sense to him now. He's like, "Wow, I can't believe I just didn't see this before." You know, these concepts and thoughts. So it's that's that's real cool. You know, we have that uh, that blend of energies because I like to just you know I like to. Gr- He's he's more of the ground, and I'm more of just wild. Just throw the, you know? <laughs> let's see how weird we could get, you know. And he keeps it, he keeps us balanced. So yeah, that's that's our show. It's the uh, the Imaginarium of Thought. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you making the time to come on today, and uh, hopefully in the future we'll also get to talk to Zach because uh, I haven't actually gotten to talk to him yet. So it might be fun to get both of you guys on eventually. Hell yeah, man! Sounds good to me. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Ron. It was so nice to meet you, and uh, I can't wait to hear more about these threes, sixes, and nines. Damn, she fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are enjoying the show, don't hesitate to go and drop an awesome five-star review. We definitely appreciate it. And if you guys are awesome enough to go and drop an awesome review on iTunes where you get to type out a little awesome response, we're going to share it on the show, of course, and give you guys a shout-out. So... We appreciate it. And another way, of course, to do so is to share it with a friend. If you know anybody that's into any type of weird, bizarre phenomenon, anything strange, just drop the name of the show. You never know where it might resonate. They might come back. And again, the only way the show is going to grow is with your guys' help. And we love all of you and appreciate you guys for doing so. And if any listeners or researchers or writers or artists out there want to contribute to the show in any way, reach out to us through social media or our email, which is bizarreencounters at outlook.com. And all of these awesome links that we've mentioned are listed in the awesome link tree in the show description. I've been the awesome, bizarre Batman. And I've been Redneck Robin. And I'm Jenny. (laughs) And don't be afraid to keep it ultra bizarre. (laughs) Bizarre? Bizarre? (laughs) Bizarre?